joining us today for the beautiful worship. Thank you so much. Derek, thanks for leading us uh, in those great songs, and we appreciate you so much coming to, to share and to be here. Awesome to hear that Jeff and Jordan are here with us. That is how good our Christmas meals are at East Brainerd. I mean, you will come from the Dominican Republic to have a Christmas meal at East Brainerd. So, man, I am glad that you have all come to be a part of this. I pray that Jeff and Jordan do not knock you down on the way to the turkey and the ham. Uh, just watch out for them because um, they have come all this way to be able to share in this meal with you. And so, man, so good to see you guys. Welcome home, and we thank you so much for the great job that you guys are doing in the Dominican, and, and our prayers continue to be with you. So, we're we're so happy that you're here. So glad that you guys, even if you didn't come from the Dominican, even if you just came from down the street, that you came, and even if you didn't know we were having a meal, we're glad that you are here to be able to share in what is a very special time. It's been busy around here. As Sean mentioned earlier, been a lot of things that have been going on within our East Brainerd family. Uh, last Sunday night, we had our uh, nativity time with our children's ministry, and wow, those kids did a fantastic job. I've heard people say it was probably one of the best ones that we have had, and it was a wonderful experience to be here and to watch those children as they told the story of Jesus. We were trying to raise children here at East Brainerd who are worshipers and not worriers. Man, don't we need that in our society today? People who are not concerned about who's in charge and who's not and what's going on around the world and what's going on even in our hometowns and, and things that are happening on our streets. But we're not going to be worried. We're going to be worshipers. And we're trying to raise children like that. And, and so to do that, we're, we're encouraging them to tell the story of the Prince of Peace. And so that's what they did last week, and I'm so thankful to be at a place that is able to celebrate in that way with our children. And then yesterday with breakfast with Santa, it was awesome, and we had all the, all the food and the breakfast, and all the kids came in their pajamas, and it was just an awesome thing to see and, and to be a part of. Even some big kids got their pictures made with Santa, and, and that was okay because, you know, some of you haven't been as nice as others, and every little bit helps. Whatever you need to do. To make sure that everything turns out good on the 25th, you go ahead, you go ahead and take care of that. We mentioned that today is going to be a, a special time at 2 o'clock. Uh, the middle school and high school choruses from Boy Buchanan uh, will be here. Uh, not only do we have some of our own youth members who are part of that, our own Lori Workman uh, is the director of those choruses, and so uh, we are so thankful to be able to, to host them and they're all their families, and so we're going to have a ton of people here this afternoon on Tuesday. The families and the children from CSLA, they will be here Tuesday evening at 6 o'clock uh, for their uh, Christmas and holiday time that they celebrate together. And so uh, they come and use our facility, and, and so we're going to have some hot cocoa and some coffee for them that night and, and welcome them to our facility here, and, and they're going to um, have a great time. And it's just all kinds of things are going on. And Maybe you're here going, you know, why, why such the big deal, though? I mean, why such the big deal around, around Christmas? And, okay, we did the nativity last week. Why is the manger scene still left up here? I mean, we did that. Shouldn't that go back up in the attic and wait now until, until next year, and then we'll, we'll pull it out? Or maybe you're looking and going, why, why Christmas when... Why Christmas when it just seems like there's, 
there's a lot of hate in the world and there's, there's a lot of things that are just going wrong and I just don't feel like being festive and I don't feel like uh, putting up the stockings and I don't feel like all the decorating and all the singing and all the things that go with the holidays. Why Christmas? Can't we just, can't we just put it away with the manger scene until next year and then we'll pull it out and, and we'll start over again? Or, or, or maybe you come from a similar background as I have. And you say, why is your church even getting dressed up for Christmas at all? Now, if you didn't grow up with me, let me give you a little background and let me pull the curtain back. Uh, many of you who are here today grew up attending churches of Christ somewhere. You cut your pews on, or cut your teeth on a church pew. Maybe you cut the pews too. I don't know <laughs> what you did. But we have others who are part of our midst that have uh, come from uh, Baptist faith, Methodist, Catholic, uh, all kinds of different, maybe no faith at all. And, and so let, let me just pull the curtain back for just a minute. Because believe it or not, um, there have been times where there have been, it's been much, there's been much controversy about, do, do Christians, should we really celebrate this? And should there be the manger scenes in the, in the churches? And maybe if you grew up in a place that, that really went all out for Christmas, you think, well, that just sounds crazy. Why wouldn't Christians make a big deal about, about Christmas? That just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, our church background with the Churches of Christ, you, you follow our stream back and, and you find in our DNA a desire to, to, to mimic the simplicity of New Testament Christianity. New Testament Christianity described by those disciples who first followed Jesus there in the New Testament, who lived out their life in, in, in this new experience, in this new way of, of worship, in this new way of, of doing life with God. And, and that's been our desire through the years, just to, just to mimic that simplicity. And if we see something that they're doing, we try to mimic that and, and do that. And, and maybe if you're visiting here, you wonder, well, you've got the manger, but where's the piano and everything else? One of the reasons we sing a cappella is that we, we try to mimic that, just the simplicity of the New Testament worship, just where, where we just come and, and raise up our voices to God. And, and so the controversy in the past sometimes has come when people have said, you know what, uh, I don't read in the Bible anything about those new early Christians celebrating Christmas. And isn't Jesus the reason for every season? Now understand, when I was growing up, we sang Christmas carols. We just sang them in July, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Now, it made about as much sense as going and knocking on somebody's door in May and, see, and saying trick or treat, but we did it because we wanted to be able to sing them. And, and, and here's the deal. Here's how I know that some of you also just sang those songs in July, because whenever now at East Brainerd we sing some of those traditional Christmas carols, you have a hard time knowing what to sing. Now we sing to Canaan's land, I'm on my way. Boy, you were full throat. I mean, you were right in there because you sang that song over and over, but you didn't sing the Christmas carols very often. You see, we, we wanted to be distinctive and we wanted it to be different oftentimes from, from other religious Groups, even though we saw nothing wrong with copying their Sunday schools or Mother's Day celebrations, that was, that was okay to us. But Christmas was something that we left out. You see, we haven't always been consistent, but we have always been distinctive. And our desire to be distinctive and stand apart from other people that perhaps we felt like did not take the silence of Scripture as seriously as we did 
allowed us to at best ignore Jesus during Christmas and at worst even fight against his inclusion altogether. Now again, if this is not your religious background, you think, well, that just sounds really crazy. Let me tell you how that works out. What happens? I can remember I was a senior in high school sitting in calculus class, first period of the day. And after we got into uh, December, just after Thanksgiving time, we put up on the board, and it wasn't a marker board, believe it or not, it was actually a chalkboard, and it was up there, and it was a countdown till Christmas. And we would just change the date every, every morning, change the number of days. And so we went from 15 and, you know, on and on and on and on, all right? And, and so one time, it was my opportunity to clean off the board and to change the number. And I did that. And I cleaned off the board and changed the number, and I put, it was 10 days till Xmas, and one of my best friends in class, she jumped all over me in, the, in front of the whole class. She said, why are you taking Christ out of Christmas? You need to write Christmas back up there. And so I took the opportunity to inform all the class of my distinctiveness. I did. And I said, well, everybody knows that Jesus wasn't really born in December. It's actually sometime in the spring. And Christmas was co-opted from a pagan holiday that was originally celebrating the sun god. And it's not anywhere in the Bible. But we should take the Lord's Supper because we see that in Acts 20 and verse 7. The disciples came together on the first day of the week to break bread. And Xmas is fine because Jesus really has nothing to do with Christmas. And my class just sat there. And I got an A-plus that day for being distinctive. But a guy got an F for being a witness. And isn't that what my role is to be? A witness. A witness of Jesus being the Messiah. You see, somewhere in our Church of Christ history, our desire for distinctiveness took precedence over our mission to show the lost world Jesus. Yeah, it's true. December 25th is not the actual birthday of Jesus of Nazareth. And it's true those early disciples, as far as we know, did not actually celebrate Christmas. And yes, the origins of Christmas come from co-opting a pagan holiday. And yes, roasting chestnuts and Santa and grandma's getting run over by reindeer just get thrown in and, and jumble up the whole thing. But no, we at East Brainer do not ignore Jesus during December. And we encourage our little ones to tell the story proudly. It's not mandatory to celebrate the birth of Christ this time of year. There's nothing in Scripture that says we have to. But no matter its origins, it provides a special opportunity for believers in Jesus to remember the reason for the season. And to remember the coming of the Messiah. And to remember the love of God and the way in which he came to earth to rescue his people. Is it wrong to do so? Now, you, you hear me ask that question, and some of you think, wrong to do so? Again, hear me. If you haven't grown up with some of my background, you need to understand that having this here in this room for some of our people is an uncomfortable thing. Because there is this concern that because you don't see those early disciples celebrating Christmas, that therefore if we somehow attach Jesus to the Christmas time, that we are violating Scripture because we have not received a command to do so. And so is it wrong? And the answer is no. 
Just like Jew Jewish synagogue and Hanukkah were developed and celebrated by God's Hebrew followers, even though there was no scriptural mandate to do either, Christmas as a time to celebrate the coming of the Savior does not violate commands of God. And by the way, Jesus began his earthly ministry teaching in the synagogue. And at Hanukkah, he is found in John chapter 10 in the temple talking about his Messiahship. You see, Christmas is a matter of personal liberty. In line with the words of Paul, and I want you to see this on the screen here. It's from Romans chapter 14. It says, in the same way, some think one day is more holier than another day. Paul is talking about different arguments that arrive between believers and different things that some people think, well, this is an opinion or no, this is something that we have to do. He says, some people think that one day is more holy than another, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor the Lord. So December 25th may truly have no more significance than any other day. But the days that surround December 25th are peak opportunities for the disciples of God to be witnesses for God. And to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And to be able to proclaim that yes, a child was born. See, nowhere in scripture do we find a mandate to differentiate ourselves from other believers. But we do find page after page detailing our mission to introduce a broken world to Jesus Christ. And that's why Christmas is something special here at East Brainerd. Because we have a unique opportunity to show our friends and family and community Jesus. He's here for everybody to see if they want to see him. And you need to know something. We've got people that that desire to see Jesus, from the old all the way down to the young. Yesterday at breakfast with Santa, one of our own little Tylers, toddlers, Ryder Robertson, during the prayer that was being given for the meal, he begins to shout out, where's God? I want to see God. I want to see God. Where's God? I want to see God. And of course, his mother said, we'll ask the preacher. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I appreciated that so much. And I said, hey, just bring him to church on Sunday. We're going to talk about this. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a toddler. It doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married. It doesn't matter if you speak English or, or Spanish or anything in between. There is a desire and there is a need within our world for people searching for something greater than themselves. And people are asking, where is God? I want to see God. Why is Christmas something that is so special? I think it's because it gives us an opportunity to see Jesus in a way that maybe we've never seen him before. Matthew loved the wise men. When you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four have a different take on the coming of the Savior. Matthew, though, he, he focuses in on these group, this group of, of wise men from the East, and he gives so much attention to them that actually more verses are spent talking about them than, than anything else about the whole Jesus story. Matthew doesn't mention anything about a manger. Doesn't mention anything about the swaddling clothes. 
but he spends great time to talk about a star and to talk about some seekers. So what I want you to do is open up your Bible, find the book of Matthew, take out your phone app, Google Matthew if you need to, find it, and I want you to find Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And I think Matthew puts so much emphasis here because the story of these seekers is our story. Because you and I are also sojourners. We're travelers and we're walking and we're talking and we're trying to sift through life and we're learning what it means to do life in a broken and fallen world. And there's a question that we have, where's God? Where is God in the midst of all of this? I think the story of the wise men shows us. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, I love how that God uses the natural world to get people's attention. Have you ever been driving along, and maybe it's been during our recent fall season, and the leaves have turned that dark red, and you've got all those amber colors that are along the side of Lookout Mountain? That's one of the blessings that I have from from living in the Chattanooga Valley there in Flintstone, that every day when I get to um, drive into the office or go anywhere here in Chattanooga, I have to drive right by the base of Lookout Mountain. And all of those leaves are turning and all of those colors are just snapping against the sky. And you look and you see that in the natural world and oftentimes you just drive right by and you think, well, it's fall time and so it's supposed to change and then it's going to be winter and the leaves are going to drop off and then spring will come and and then summer. But could it be that God is trying to use the natural world that's around us in order to get our attention? So that we would pay attention. Because we've asked the question, where is God? And maybe he's right there on the side of Lookout Mountain. He's right there waiting for for us to see him. Psalm 19 and verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth and stars form the first missionary society. Before Jordan and Jeff ever went to the Dominican, God was there. God was present. And God was able to be seen. Before you were ever born, before there was ever this nation, God was present and he was able to be seen. And the universe was shouting in worship to him. I love Romans 1 and verse 20. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. And so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. God led the wise men to Jerusalem with a star. But to lead them to Jesus, he needed something else. Continue reading. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. You see, the star was enough to get the wise men, the magi, to Jerusalem. But God took scripture in order to lead them 
to Jesus. You see, we see these signs around us every day. We see the leaves turning and we see the sunsets that still our breath. We welcome in newborns after nine months and wonder where did this living, breathing miracle come from? We see all of these things that are so amazing, but do these signs actually draw us to God? Oftentimes, no. Many are simply content to see the signs, and they don't realize the riches that are intended. Again, from the writings of Paul, Romans 2 and verse 4, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? The goodness from God, the things that he gives, the amazement that we experience, it's all about being able to see him and to being able to see him more clearly. The wise men understood the purpose of the sign and they followed it to Jerusalem where they heard the scripture. The prophecy told them where they would go and find the Christ. And it's interesting that the star doesn't appear again until after they hear the message from the word of God. The star gets them to Jerusalem. And then the star apparently is gone. And it's not until they hear the prophecy that then the star again appears. Look at verse 9. It says, the star that they had seen in the east that guided them to Bethlehem, it now goes ahead of them and stops over the place where the child was. It's as if both sign and word work together in order to bring the wise men to Jesus. And I think the ultimate aim of all of God's messages both miraculous and written, is to shed the light of heaven on Jesus Christ. You see, God wants you to see Jesus. God doesn't want you to hide this away upstairs in a closet. He doesn't want you to put your manger scene away after the 25th and put it with all the other decorations, only to bring it down again next season. He wants you to see Jesus. And he wants you to gaze so intently into the Savior that you will be changed because of it. Look at what takes place. Matthew chapter 2 verse 11. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold and, and frankincense and myrrh. Look at these first Christian worshipers. The simple dwelling became a cathedral. The seekers of Christ found him and knelt in his presence. They gave him gifts, gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, myrrh for one who has died. They found the Christ because they heeded the sign and they believed the scripture. Now it's interesting that noticeably absent from this whole scene are those leading understanders of the scripture that told them about Bethlehem in the first place. Go ahead and look there in your Bible and see where it is where the religious followed, where those who knew the Scripture went with the wise men to be there and to worship. They read the prophecy, but they didn't respond to it. And you'd think at a minimum, they might just tag along behind just to see if maybe perhaps the prophecy was real. But they showed no interest. Maybe that's why we refer to these men from the East as being wise. Because when they heard Scripture, they allowed that Scripture to sink into their heart and they went to where Scripture led them to go. After worshiping the Christ, it says that they departed for their own country and they went another, and Matthew uses the word way. 
And he uses this at other places in his gospel. And when he uses it in those other locations, he does so to suggest a change in direction of life. We're talking about a direction of life. He speaks of a narrow way in chapter 7 and the way of righteousness in chapter 21. And he may be telling us right here when he says that the wise men go and they leave in a different direction. They go a different way. Perhaps he's trying to tell us that once they came and once they saw Jesus and once they worshipped that they were changed. They were different. They were called by a sign. They were instructed by Scripture. And they were directed home by God. It's as if all the forces of heaven cooperated to guide the wise men. Because I truly believe that God uses every possible means to communicate with us. The wonders of nature call to us. The promises and prophecies of Scripture speak to us. And God himself, even today, is reaching out to you saying, I'm here. I am present. Just look and see. Maybe many years ago, you watched The Miracle Worker. Remember that show? The movie? Described the the life, the interaction between Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan. Helen Keller was born in 1880, and she wasn't yet out of her toddler years when she contracted an illness that left her blind and deaf and mute. When she was seven years old, Anne Sullivan came to her to work as her teacher. Helen's own brother had said, there's no reason to do this. She's too wild. You're not going to be able to have any kind of good positive outcome. But the teacher wouldn't consider walking away from this child that she knew was trapped in a dark and sightless and soundless world. Helen was as stubborn as her teacher. And she would fight everything that Ann Sullivan would often try to do to help her. And she would misinterpret the different attempts of of kindness and instruction and and discipline that, that Ann would give. Over and over, Miss Sullivan would hold Helen Keller's hand and try to, to tap, out, tap out different pressures on her hand that would stand for different letters, that would mean different words. And over and over, she would pull her hand away from her teacher and resist. And yet there's finally this moment of high drama, and, and it's shown so beautifully in the movie where they're at this water pump, and... Helen has, the, has her hand under the water pump and her teacher is, is, is fear, forcefully getting that pump going and the water starts to pour. And, and in the other hand, Miss Sullivan taps out W-A-T-E-R and she puts more water on one hand and taps in the other. W-A-T-E-R. And, and there's this moment where, where as Helen, she's been fighting and she's been so lost And she's been so confused. But yet all of a sudden there is this light that comes to her soul. And she begins to tap those same letters back into her teacher's hand. And Miss Sullivan raises up Helen's hand to her own face. And she begins to nod her head. 
And then she again taps out W-A-T-E-R. And then she lets Helen touch the well and taps out W-E-L-L. And then they go to the ground. And from the ground, they go to the porch. And they just begin running all over the yard. As now, all of a sudden, a new life and a new experience has opened up. So why Christmas? I think it's because Christmas celebrates a moment similar for us. Christmas is a reminder of God breaking through to our world in a feeding stall of all places. It's a reminder that he says, I'm not going to leave you in the dark. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to pursue you and I'm going to teach you. I'm not going to let you sit back. I'm not going to let you miss out. And so he enters our world and he sends these signals and messages and he taps into our heart, H-O-P-E. And he taps L-O-V-E. And he taps P-E-A-C-E. And he taps J-O-Y. And he hopes that at some time, maybe, just maybe, another soul We'll see the light. Maybe you're one of those. When God sends a sign, be faithful. Let that sign lead you to Scripture. When you go to Scripture, be humble and allow it to direct you in in how you should follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And when you come into His presence, fall down and worship. And as you worship, be grateful because He will truly lead you home. I skipped over one verse that I want to close with. It's Matthew 2 and verse 10. Remember I told you that the star, the star leads them to Jerusalem and then it goes away and doesn't appear again and, until they, they hear the prophecy. And then the star carries them to Bethlehem. But it says in verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Now, now literally, literally what he says here, and depending on the translation that you have, it's going to put it in different ways. Just like here in this particular one, it says they were overjoyed beyond measure. And it, it uses that language because in the original wording for Matthew, he uses this word that's sphadra. And what he really says is that they rejoiced with joy to the max. Because it's a word that means going all out, wide open, with total effort, like doing something with a vengeance. That's the word that he uses. Matthew wants us to know that when the wise men go to Jerusalem and hear the message from Scripture of the Messiah, that once they see the star in the sky, they are fired up. They're stoked. They are so excited. They are filled with overflowing joy. It is immeasurable. It is coming out everywhere. And they're, I don't know if they sang, I've got the joy, joy, joy deep down in my heart or not. But they were excited. And Matthew wants you to know. And here's what I, I'm afraid that for some of us, for some of us, we have missed the joy that Christmas brought. We've missed it. We've missed it. Seeing the star meant they were going to see Jesus.
And that's why Christmas. Because it's a special reminder that we are to be a people of wide open joy. And just like those seekers from years gone by, we too have an opportunity to see Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare in room. And heaven and nature see, and heaven and nature see, and have and heaven and pretty good. But I can tell some of you haven't sang that song since last year, all right? Stand up with me if you don't mind. Go ahead and stand up and stretch. And we're going to sing that one more time, and we're really going to hit that joy part hard. Remember, hey, they were stoked. They were fired up. They saw the star. They knew they were going to see Jesus. And here's the deal. You are a disciple of God. You know what that means? You have already seen Him. And because you have seen him, you have the mission to go and bring others. Maybe it's to the manger. Or maybe it's to the cross. Or maybe it's to the empty tomb. But your mission is to show people Jesus. We're going to sing joy to the world. And then right after that, Derek's going to jump right in to shine Jesus shine. And if any point is we're singing, if you need to come for prayers, to, for confession of sin, if you need to come to be baptized into Christ this morning because you have experienced the joy of being introduced to the Lord and want to submit yourself and commit yourself to Him, then we encourage you to do so. Are you ready? Deep breath. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let us 